this time. Are you ready? This moment! Ready. So I'm gonna take his soul. We ready. It ain't no doggone tomorrow, fellas! We ready for y'all. I wanna see how bad he wants to play. All right, what's happening, everybody? This is the Philly Experience Podcast. Great to be with everybody again on this Friday afternoon, and I hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, to start with, today's a day to remember, 9-11, of course. And, uh, you know, we just want to remember everybody, all the first responders um, who have given their lives on that day. And, uh, you know, I think as we all get older, us personally, too, I know you probably remember a little bit better than we do. Mm-hmm. But we try to, at least I do, try to learn more, more and more about, you know, the day and try to hear different stories, you know, um, each year that goes by. And I always do. I always hear new stories and, uh, you know, just great heroes that uh, did whatever they could to save lives. So, um, again, thanks to all the heroes um, that gave their lives. And uh, again, just as a whole, it's a day to remember. So uh, on that note, um, guys, Eagles football two days away. Woo! And uh, I got to admit. Um, there's probably more questions than answers right now. Um, and we're going to dive into it. I mean, we got a lot to bring up, a lot to talk about. Um, and, and the Washington football team, too. They got some dangerous pieces on that defense. Um, so we'll dive into it all. And, of course, as well, touch on the Phillies and their continuous just downward spiral in, in the back end of that bullpen. Not a single guy has been able to step up. Even but the they are who we thought the they deadline. were. And it's just been a pretty disappointing, uh, you know, last few weeks. You know, we, we get on a hot streak right there and win probably, what, 9 out of 10, uh, 10 out of 11, whatever it was. And, you know, now we go into a seven-game series to Marlins and lose game one, so we'll touch on that as well. And we also want to bring up more specifics on the Eagles. Touch on Zach Ertz. Is that contract ever going to get done with him? Uh, Jason Peters, we thought he was a good guy and doing right by the team. Turns out uh, – that's not true. So we'll, t- we'll tell you what that's all about. And uh, Lane Johnson getting a surgery that not many people heard about, if anybody did. So um, we'll rock with the Eagles first and dive right on into it. Um, T, I want to get your thoughts Morning. as What's a preview that? to start with. What's your expectations going into this Sunday's game? Um, you know, no preseason for these guys. You know, we, we've heard some things throughout training camp. Um, you know, obviously lost Jalen Rager, which was probably a big loss, at least for week one. Um, so what are your expectations? What are you thinking? What are you seeing? So my expectations for this football team are are, are still pretty high, um, considering the fact that you still have returning veterans on the team, you know, the Carson Wentz's, the Lane Johnson's, um, the Jason Kelsey's on the team. And especially on the defensive side, I do expect to see some kind of improvement, especially from the cornerback position, considering that we traded for Darius Slay, who we all know from the Detroit Lions was a shutdown corner for all of his career. Um, we upgraded the safety position with Will Parks. Um, Jalen Mills moved to safety, which is still a question mark, but – you know, it, there's you know this optimism there. I think we've all cried about that on on this show that we think that um, Jalen Mills will be better at the safety position. Um, Lyman, I, I say I express concern only because of the defensive ends and the depth at defensive end because I just feel like you know from the defensive end position there is a lack of sacks that I would like to see from that position. But I think the defensive tackles, hopefully, I have hope and optimism that they're going to make up for that. So the only thing that concerns me about the defense is the linebacker position because they're young, they're inexperienced. But hopefully, you know, we found some um, diamonds in the rough with TJ Edwards and Duke, the Duke Rileys and the Nate Garys. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty hopeful. They're going up, you know, they're going up against now considered 
Now they're called the Washington football team, which is, which is, it's so weird. It's so weird calling them that because (laughs) I'm I'm used to calling them what they were, they used to be called all those years ago. And it's like, okay, I mean, it took y'all long enough to change it. It it will, it it will, it will, but it's all good. But back to the Eagles. Um, But yeah, my expectations have, have not withered. They have not changed. I still expect this team to uh, perform up to the standards that we hope. They would have. I at least have this team going um, 10, 11 wins at the most. That's just me personally. I just feel like with the offensive weapons they've added, at, especially at the wide receiver position with uh, Jalen Rager and John Hightower and all a bunch of these uh, speedy guys and Deshaun Jackson returning, that the offense should open up. You know, that was the big thing that we complained about uh, this past season was the fact that, you know, everything was dink and dunk and, you know, we didn't really – have faith in the receivers and we thought the receivers didn't really wasn't really doing their jobs. So now with us having more speed and being able to um, being able to stretch the field, being able to prevent that extra safety from coming into the box and stuffing the run. Now that gives the, with the speed that we have now at the right receiver position that now gives us um, extra, you know, extra play calls that we can call that Doug Peterson can call um, for, for the offense. So I'm pretty optimistic. Tanner, how about you? What do you got going on? What do you think is going to happen with uh, this team going in Sunday? Again, like we mentioned, um, the defense, kind of, there's some question marks there, especially from the linebackers. An offensive line is probably a big question mark as well. So what do you think? Yeah, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm not as optimistic as T is. I believe it's you, – you can expect both these teams to come out a little slow. Not everyone can play like the Chiefs did last night yeah, in their first big. game back, especially without the – the training in the off season and the practice. Yeah, that's true. Um, Carson, listen, he's going to have a real hard time back there uh, on Sunday. He's got the offensive line is not in good shape. I hear you. Um, there's the beast on the other side of the line, Chase Young. He's going to be a problem. For, uh, it's an outrage. Huge, huge piece for uh, Washington. And our wide receivers, the same problem. It seems like every year we it just – just not good luck in that position. I believe Alshon Jeffrey is hurt now. Um, I, I don't I think he still I'm has not, the um, same same injury from the previous season. That's never healed. Right, um, that foot injury. Still, uh, yeah, they're they're still looking on that. Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier, no Rager. Uh, Goodwin he opted out before the season even started. So you have Deshaun Jackson who hasn't played a full game since this time last year against the team eight catches he had uh, a great game that was a great game uh and then you have ward greg ward uh, he's going to be a big a bigger piece to this offense earlier in the season than what he was last year and then um you have um jj he's gonna be apparently he's been better in the um in the offseason this year and they're gonna get him more they're gonna carson's gonna pass the ball to him more but back to this overall matchup, I'm just not very optimistic about. I look back on the uh, on the schedule predictions that I had uh, from the beginning when the schedule was released. Do we know it's I hard. Had, I have this matchup as a loss, and I think really? I, I think I'm still gonna go with that. Really? Now, albeit I have the overall the overall um, record as 10 and six but i i think last year we thought maybe the eagles were going to lose to washington uh they pulled it out in the end but i uh, i i think the eagles might um might lose this one on sunday it's ridiculous well i gotta admit that's a pretty bold prediction there i don't know if i go that far but but just from my my two cents on this um i think the offensive line is probably our biggest issue right now i i know jason peters is like gonna play but he really hasn't been that great of a player in now what, three years, you know, and on top of that hasn't been able to stay healthy. So when I look at this team right now, it's, there's a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz and there's not a lot of talent on the outside. I mean, there's new faces of course, but you know, Alshon's still hurt and Rager's hurt again, or I guess hurt now at this point. So um, it's, it's, it's a headache on the offensive side of the ball, because I know Carson's going to be pressured. I just don't want him to get hurt. You know, that's the big thing. You know, Miles Sanders has a tweaked hamstring already. So 
I think this team goes seven and nine, eight and eight. That's what wow. I'm looking at. I'm, I'm not, not going to say that they lose on Sunday, though. I think they do beat the Dwayne Haskins-led Washington football team. Um, and I emphasize that because Haskins is a big question mark. He was pretty below average last year. And, you know, I just don't have any faith in him as a starter right now in this league. So I think we wow. definitely have – the advantage when it comes what to the, the hell is going on by miles hey, don't, don't forget who's leading this um leading this team now you got ron rivera first year coach for the for the reds He's dangerous you've He's seen dangerous. him coach players like cam newton and carolina and what he might be able to do with dwayne haskins he could turn this kid's whole career around this season yeah, he, he could um, but it yeah. is week one remember that it is week yeah. one so he'll have definitely have time to grow and maybe by our second meeting with the Reds, I almost said it. The Redskins with the Washington <laughs> football team. The second meeting with the Washington football team we have with what? them this season, maybe they get 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 a W on us. But um, I'm also looking at the schedule. I see the Steelers, I see the 49ers, the Packers. You know, just teams that are always dangerous. And um, you know, I, I think we're worse than we were last year. And last year we were nine and seven. So um, I just think the offensive line is going to be a problem all season long. I think uh, hopefully the defensive line, you know, with a healthy Fletcher Cox now who said he was banged up last year. And um, we're also getting Malik Jackson back on the D line. Hopefully we can get some pass rush. Look, we need Derek yes. to step up this season yes. and get to the quarterback. He's been a major disappointment so far. I think one thing that's always going to help us is Jim Schwartz. I think he's an excellent defensive coordinator. Um, I do. I, I think he's good. I, I think he's better than advertised. Let's What's say he that. I don't for? think he gets mentioned enough. And, um, you know, I, I think that if we just manage these players better, and what I mean by that is we had to go out and pay big-time money to Darius Slay because of the fact that Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. If one of those guys did, for example, we could have taken that money we had to we, we had to pay big play Slay and could have taken that and put it, you know, invested it in the O-line. So it's going to be an interesting season. And um, I'm look, I mean, I'm excited. Listen, every football season is exciting, but mm-hmm. I'm tempering my expectations. So I think I, I, the best way to put it is I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but um, again, I, I, I'm pretty confident that, that we get the job done this Sunday. But there's just so many question marks I'm, with every team because of right. the COVID. I think it's golf I think it's pretty cool that you brought up player development. I'm going to get into that a little later. But um, Tanner, to counteract what you said about Jason Peters, now you know. We had this discussion plenty of times on this show over these airwaves. Look, man, I think we, I think all of us can be in agreement with the fact that we don't agree with um, Jason Peters coming back to the team. However, under circumstances, they brought him back because of the Brandon Brooks injury to play guard, which now with Andre Dillard being out with for the rest of the season, now he has to move back to his traditional left tackle position in which they had to restructure his contract in order to um, appease him. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with y'all boys. Um, that's not something I'm digging. I'm not, I, I understand why they're doing it because at the end of the day, you need to protect Carson Wentz's blind side because that, I'm, in my personal opinion, I think left tackle is the most important position on offense because if the quarterback is not confident that he can turn his back and trust that his blockers are doing his job, then that's a problem because now the quarterback's timing in his head is going to be rushed. He's going to think there's a rush there when the, when the reality is it's not, and that's when you get those errant passes, you know, those overthrows and those interceptions. So I do believe that the left tackle position is important, and of course you want to give that position to a person that you trust, that you ulti- that you have the most the utmost trust in. However. Honestly, we had no other choice but to go to Jason Peters. We we really didn't. Um, as much as much as it pains me to say that, and I'm not saying like he's a bad player. Of course, you know he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. There's no doubt about it. You can't the, let Matt Pryor go out there on an island. No, by himself. and Matt Pryor, and I've said this about Matt Pryor too. I believe Matt Pryor can be a can be a pretty good offensive lineman in this league, but I don't think tackle is his position because I think he has slow feet. So I think his best position position needs to be at that right guard slot. So I was really starting to buy into Jason Peters at the right guard position. I thought he wouldn't have to move laterally as much. Uh, you know, your footwork always matters as an offensive lineman, but again, he wouldn't need to really 
be as quick, I guess you could say, off the ball and is one of the biggest guys on the field every time he's out there. So I was really liking it, honestly. It was starting to grow on me. At first, we were all kind of scratching our heads because it's just such a different position for him to play. He's never played it before, but I was really starting to buy into it. And on top of that, the Andre Dillard injury, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. We really wanted yeah. to see this guy. Even if he was going to be a failure at the left tackle position, we needed to see that because now it's just a major question mark and it's going to be another headache we have to deal with next season because you can't cut the guy or you can't cut him loose or get rid of him because you haven't really seen him play a full season there. But on top of that, there's been talk around Philadelphia that a lot of fans really just don't like to pick from Howie Roseman. And, you know, rightfully so. We haven't really seen him on the field like we wanted to as far as being a 16-game left tackle as a first-round pick. You know, if you're a first-round guy, you got to be out there. And he was really – he took that first season as like a learning curve experience, which I get it, but that's more of a quarterback thing for me. Like as a first-year quarterback, you come in, you learn under – you know, for example, Jordan Love is going to learn under Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. But when you when you need immediate help like we do on the offensive line, and Dillard doesn't play as much last year, and when he did, he was lackluster. Um, and now this year, he's going to be out the whole season. It's just unfortunate. And that's why I think we're a 7-9, team, just because of the fact that the O-line is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that will lead us into our next topic here about the birds, and that's Lane Johnson, Tanner. You wanted to bring up a off-season surgery that went under the rug. Hmm. Yeah, because this is this, it's interesting that um, Lane Johnson. This it came out of nowhere, and I didn't. I had no unearthly idea that Lane Johnson needed surgery. They did a really good job of like hiding it. I, that's the best way to put it because obviously it wasn't out in the news. We didn't see any experts tweeting it out. So I, I think Tanner mentioned it was an ankle injury yeah. or ankle surgery. Yeah, they, like you said, they they held they uh they hid his surgery pretty well. We just found out, at least I just found out from a news article that was released today that he had ankle surgery um, in August, and wow. that's pretty surprising. And then it comes to we find out that he actually restructured his contract to get a signing bonus instead of um, further payments down the road. Uh, to help out the team. And that's just, you really like seeing that. And after talking about what Jason Peters and how he wanted more money, and then you go over to Lane Johnson, who's just the guy really trying to help out the team all yeah. he can. It's just, you, you like seeing that. Yeah. He's been practicing or, or at least around practice for the last few weeks. So we, at least I expect him to play. I'm sure you guys do as well. How effective he will be having to go up against guys like Chase Young. That's a big question mark. And also Ryan Kerrigan, who we haven't mentioned yet today. So another reason why Tanner brings up a good point, I think it's going to be a fight till the end. I really don't think we're going to run over this team because they definitely have strong positions where we have weak ones on the opposite side. So um, it's going to be Tanner. I know you have something to say. Nah, on that. To, to close this out on a, on a humorous note. Now, first off, I, I'm not – rooting against the Eagles. I don't root against the Eagles. It just seems to work out better when I'm negative against this team. <laughs> ST knows also well as well. But to end on a humorous note, it, don't forget you got uh Ronald Darby on Washington back oh, there. Oh um, man. Against our um unexperienced wide receivers right now. So that's something to look at too, how he plays on his new team against the team that didn't want him anymore. Yeah, we remember last season T where the 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 Washington football team comes into our house and gives us gives us a pretty good fight. Case Keenum comes in there and you know we they play us all the way to the end of the game. Yeah. Luckily we were able to come out on top. But I, I remember that I remember that legendary rant I went on about the defense and how I thought that the defensive backs weren't worth two cents, and the fact that you know they let a thirty five year old Vernon Davis hurdle them. And a lot of a lot of that um, anger went towards Ronald Darby. So listen, hopefully we can flip the yeah. script here and uh, hopefully it works yeah. out in our favor. And, you know, D Jacks can get past them a few times for a couple of nice touchdowns. Uh, but I wanted to bring up a name to you too that we haven't really brought up on this show. And that's Jordan Mailata. We had this guy for what, two, three years now. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been a practice squad guy. Every time his name's brought up, you know, Peterson or Howie would be like, we like his progress, et cetera, et cetera. When are, are we ever going to see this guy on the football field? Um, I think it all depends on the situation, and I think it depends on a lot of factors. So here's a, so to give everybody, like, a little bit of a refresher of the background of Jordan Malata, 
Okay, so he was drafted in the seventh round a couple of years ago. He was a rugby player. He's never played a game of football, professional football a day in his life. Never has. So you're taking a guy from another sport and you're training him to be something that he's never been before. That's a project. That's a process. Now, seventh round, I think that's the perfect place that you want to uh, take projects as because you never know exactly how a project can pan out. So the past preseason games that we have seen of Jordan Mailata, I have been I'm pretty impressed. He big size, six foot eight, three hundred forty pounds. Yep. I mean, I've never seen a guy that big have that kind of uh, feet, fast feet, as fast as he has. So I think that's very impressive. I do think, though, the reason why they're not, you know, gung ho about throwing him at left tackle and keeping Jason Peters at right guard is because of the fact that he's still young and he's still learning, and they're trying to give him every opportunity that he can. And that also goes into factor in how exactly is Andre Dillard going to develop? And I can tell you guys for a fact right now, um, I can excuse the rookie season of him not playing because Jason Peters was still here. And the, the games that he did play, albeit he wasn't, you know, he wasn't flashy, but he did his job. Um, one game I want to point out is the Bears going up against um, Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd. That's not an easy task. So you're going up against one of those guys every single down. And I think he pretty much held his own. So I think Andre Dillard still does have, to have, does have talent. However, him being injured for the rest of the season, this does not pan out well. So... You know, I think we eventually will see Jordan Mailata. It's just that they're, the team, I believe, is just trying to give um, Dillard a chance to take over that left tackle position. But because, of course, you know, yeah. if you want you, – you, you obviously want your first-round draft picks to hit. You don't want people coming back and – playing um, give them every opportunity to succeed yes they want to give him every opportunity to succeed so i think they are going i think that's what they're trying to do honestly but listen if i've always believed if the player can play let him play shoot i don't care where he was Agreed. drafted all right now let, let me bring up the zach Ertz contract talk real quick before we go diving into all these other contracts and of course we'll bring up the cuts uh, that the eagles made as well but listen travis kelsey gets four years close to 60 million dollar extension and then you have George Kittle, who signs the biggest contract from a tight end position, five years, seventy-five million. Ooh, I want to get your guys' yeah. opinion on one: if Zach Ertz should be resigned and or not resigned, but extended by the Eagles, and two: how much? Where, where do you think he falls in the ballpark of money and years? Hmm. Okay, so here's the thing: um, I'm I'm going record on say this. I love Zach Ertz. I love his game. I love the fact that he's basically the the best pass catcher on this team, and he has been um, for a lot of years for this team. He has been a reliable target for not only Carson Wentz, but also Nick Foles on that run to the Super Bowl. He has been that target, that main target, and I love that about him. Don't get, don't ever get that twisted. Um, he has improved as a run blocker. He's still, I think there's still room for improvement in that area, but he has improved as a run blocker. Now, here's the thing where I argue. Here's the thing with those tight ends that you mentioned, okay? Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Those guys, they fight through contact. They get yards after the catch. They don't just go down with a simple tap or as soon as you catch the ball, you're automatically diving down to the ground. Those, they don't do that. That's not their game. Right. They are trying to embarrass somebody. They are lowering their shoulder pads. All right. They are trying to contact somebody. They are trying to hit something. And that's the one thing that Zach Hurts does not do as a tight end very well. As a matter of fact, I've, I don't remember too many times where he's um, where he's embarrassed somebody by running them over or getting yards after a catch. And look, and Zach Hurts is getting up there. What? I think he's 30 now or yeah. he's going on 30. So. His time is his time as a as an elite tight end is almost coming to an end, and it also doesn't help when you have um basically you can argue, arguably say his replacement in Dallas got it right behind him, who really proved himself um on a couple of occasions uh, last season. So, um, Zach Ertz may be on the way out. Honestly, Tanner, what about you? Are you going the opposite direction here? Yeah, I, I guess that's going to be the theme of the show: opposite direction of T. <laughs> I, I, love, I love Zach Ertz. Because that guy doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. 
to me, this is almost compared to a JT Real Muto situation in Philadelphia. Mm. I love Zachers. He he is amongst the best tight ends right now. Oh, no doubt. He he can play with the best. And I have a comparison of Zacherts and George Kittle. Now, George Kittle had less receptions, more yards. Zacherts, more targets. But these guys are, are closely compared in yards receiving. And I feel like uh, we're almost treating Zach Ertz as if he's, he's, he can't compete against or be compared against these guys. But just last season, 88 um, catches, 916 yards, average 10.4. He's the best player, one of the best players on this offense. You can argue if Carson Wentz, of course, is a more important piece. But, and I know people bring up Dallas Goddard, but I just – I think with the luck that we have at wide receiver, which is there's little luck at wide receiver, keeping Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz will be very beneficial. Um, and then right now it's just – at this point we're just disrespecting Zach Ertz with the contracts because their most recent – and contracts have they, – they paused talking after this – the Eagles offered him a lower average annual salary than Austin Hooper. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that wow, to me, no. if you're comparing Zach Ertz to Austin Hooper, who now is on the Cleveland Browns, it's just not a question who's better and way better. Matter of fact. Now on that note, I do agree with you. No, I, I didn't. I had no idea that they were giving him Austin Hooper numbers. Now I'm not going to say that Zach Ertz doesn't, you know, belong in the argument of top tight ends in the NFL. Don't get that twisted. All right. I believe he deserves that respect. However, I also looked at um, what our cap situation, what the Eagles cap situation will look like from this season in the next two years. And it doesn't look like uh, Zach Ertz may be around because he may be a cap casualty at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, listen, I'm trying to get the Austin Hooper stats here, but obviously I do agree with Tanner. Um, Zach Ertz is a better player. I, I got here seven, 787 yards last season for Austin Hooper. Um, he's not a bad player. Look, he got that big contract for a reason. And listen, we're talking about the Cleveland Browns again who signed him. They're always doing something stupid. So uh, let me just say this. Uh, my opinion on with Zach Ertz. That's not um, true! I just want to say this. I don't think think as much as I do want to resign him I don't know if what he's wor- wanting is what he's worth does that make sense yeah you know like I'm sure he's gonna want a big contract and rightfully so what his track record and what he's done is definitely worth it but I just don't want this to turn into a Chase Ali Jimmy Rollins thing where they dominate their career and then you overpay for for their 30 30 well in, in Ertz's case, 31, 32, 33, 34 season, whatever it may be. And, you know, either he gets nicked or banged up or it doesn't live up to the contract because at the end of the day, this is a business. And when you have a guy as young and as talented, like as we all know, uh, in Dallas Goddard coming up, and I do like Tanner's point, you know, two tight end sets are a big thing with the Eagles. Oh, yes. They're going to need um, another tight end um, that's capable but I, I just don't think what Ertz is going to ask for is what he's worth at this point in his career. And not only that, we have so many other holes on this team to fill. You know, it's not like we have the roster like we did two, three years ago in the Super Bowl year where we really, really legitimately didn't have a need anywhere. Everybody was relatively in their prime, young, um, and, and defensively too. I mean, yeah, you could argue linebacker situation, but Michael Kendricks was still here, et cetera. But now with, uh, Dillard, a question mark. Brooks getting up there in age, even though we just signed him that huge contract. He's had two major injuries in two, three years. Another big piece of the O line. Lane Johnson nicked up. Not that it's a long term concern, but still. Um, Kelsey, who we haven't even mentioned because he's been rock solid. I mean, he's, he's getting up there getting in up age. There he he, he's, you know, temp or hinted at retirement last season. So there's four out of five O linemen. Um, the receiver position is just an embarrassment, in my opinion. DJX, <laughs> what, he has one year left, maybe two. And wow. He, we really do need Jalen Rager to, to, to be that, that dominating, like, shifty, uh, a poor man's Tyreek Hill, probably, uh, in order for you understand what I'm saying, you know, us to stay afloat here. Because, listen, 
you have your franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz, but at the end of the day, the weapons that you surround him with are pretty poor at this point, um, with the exception of Zach Ertz. But again, hopefully Miles Sanders, and, and that's another question, is he a three-down running back? We all think he can be, but that remains to be seen. And then you flip the script on the D-line. Yeah, okay, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson. But again, Derek Barnett, a huge question mark. We have no idea if he'll ever be worth that first-round pick that we drafted him with a few years ago. We have Brandon Graham, like I said, getting up there in age as well. He he really didn't deserve, in my opinion, maybe he deserved the contract, but I didn't want to give it to him yeah. just because his production was declining. And it, it was shown the last season or two. Then you look in the secondary. Jalen Mills are playing safety. We all think you know he'll be serviceable, but again, that remains to be seen with this upcoming season. So just so many question marks and the contract that Ertz is going to want. I know it's going to be big, but I just don't think at this point it's the right move to make, but I definitely understand Tanner's argument. Um, and I want to move on now to the cuts. I know Tanner had notable cuts, and I do have one at least, and that's Deontay Burnett, who gets cut from the wide receiver position, which doesn't make sense to me, T, because he's somebody that we've heard reports on who was flashy in camp, making some big-time plays. And uh, what is he now? He, he actually cleared through waivers and is on the practice squad, yep. but – you know, what's your opinion on these cuts to your Tanner? Either one can chime in on this one. So, okay, so you you brought up Deontay Burnett. I think from what I've read um, in training camp, all of the right receivers have impressed, even the undrafted guys. Um, they're all impressed with the right receivers and how they played. You know, there's not very few, if any, balls have been dropped. So, you know, from that standpoint of view, that's encouraging. So, you know, I'm not – I'm not going to say I'm not concerned about the right receiver's position. All I'm going to say is that the right receiver position is in a rebuild mode, per se. So we're transitioning from older guys who held down that position to younger guys. So, yes, of course, it's going to be a question mark there. And, you know, certain players, we, certain players we, we're just going to want. Um, Deontay Burnett, if, if anybody remembers, was one of the right receivers that we called a nobody because we didn't know who he was. Okay, everybody remembers Carson Wentz basically only had uh, Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders consistently um, receiving the football, and that was it. Um, yeah, so I understand with that Deontay Burnett, but I think the right the right receiver position. I think um, from a coaching standpoint of view, I think they are impressed with um, what they have seen. However, two notable cuts that I seen on the defensive side. And I want to get into this a little later because I sent you guys an article in our group chat. Um, Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas. Now, these two guys, especially Russell Douglas, um, have been on a trade block um, for the past couple seasons now, especially Russell Douglas. He's the main one that's been on a trade block. Um, I don't think uh, Jim Schwartz was really a big fan of his. So he's been on a trade block now for a couple of years now. And, I just, I, it's surprising to me, and it, it, it's also disappointing. Like I said, it's something that, you know, after Tanner talks about his thoughts about the cuts, it's something that I kind of want to get into a little bit because it's kind of disappointing, you know, from that standpoint of view of you draft the player, you expect that player to develop, you know, in your system, on your team, and it's very disappointing when they don't. And then, you know, because they have no value, you can't trade, that player you're for anything back. You know, no one's going right. to give up something good for him. Right. I agree and you with everything you're saying. And you just got to let him go. And it's very disappointing. So, you know, those two cuts really stand out to me. And like, like go ahead, Tanner, because I, I got something else to say about that um, after uh, you're finished. T, the, the only thing I, I disagree with you is, is uh, I was not surprised with Sidney Jones being cut. You knew his, uh, you knew his time was limited with this team. He was only coming Get in. the f out! Yeah, that's probably what they said to him on the way. <laughs> uh, he was just not impressive, and mm. he would come in occasionally. He'd close out a game or two. But well, the player that I'm surprised in is Russell Douglas being cut. I, I thought we were going to hang on to him at, for depth at least. I agree. But – uh, they seem to be confident in what they have right now. And I just want to go back to Jalen Mills being safety. I think that's going to be a bigger problem mm, than really. Uh, well, obviously with you have um, Darius Slay now in for um, 
for cornerback and back there, I think cornerback is going to be in better shape than safety. Mm, yeah, really? Sander, you do make a good point there, but but I, I'm going to disagree. I think Douglas kind of ran his time here. I do understand your death point because we all know this team needs depth um, at every position, and every team really does. It's always It's always a good problem to have. But I think I'm actually more surprised with the Sidney Jones release and it's only because I'm not a huge fan of Avante Maddox starting on the outside. Mm-hmm. And it just it's, it's because I'm getting nightmares every time I think about him of Devontae Adams running past him the game you were at. So you would <laughs> oh, know firsthand in Green Bay. Um, and I'm just not I'm confident in Maddox. T, you know I've never been the biggest Maddox fan. Mm-hmm. So not that it's not so much that Sidney Jones should have the role as the second starting corner it's more of the fact that i just don't trust maddox enough that's why i'm kind of surprised Bunch of but low life douglas i'm not too surprised with i think he's yeah. given opportunity after opportunity um hasn't really done much i mean you could probably remember a player too but that's not good enough in what three years so i do think he could have been traded if we got his name out there you know before you know he People started to get more yeah. film and game tape on him, but I we, we waited too late, in my opinion, on that. Yeah, the Panthers picked him up right away. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. were surprised to see him just leave like or uh, be dropped off like that. It's just these are two players that were drafted the same year, mm-hmm. so they both have the same pathway. As Sidney Jones obviously was dealing with injury, um, and I'll, I'll give you that. I you know, could we have given Sidney Jones more? of opportunities but year after year it's just he wasn't in a good place you know what yeah, I, yeah, I think i agree see, real quick i mm-hmm. think rasul douglas his problem was the performance he was just underperforming but sydney jones when he was out there he was just kind of a guy like don't get me wrong he's he probably wasn't worth that second round pick but his bigger concern was injuries he just couldn't stay healthy you know what? And that was the big thing that was really dis. You know what? I think that was the death nail for Sidney Jones, honestly. Because, like I said, going back to the articles that I was reading um, from the Eagles beat reporters about you know them reporting um, on training camp. Since you know we don't have no preseason, this is the only thing I can rely on. From what I've seen, um, Sidney Jones was battling a whole lot of muscle um, injuries. Which you know, when you play the game of football, you're gonna. You're going to get nicks and bruises. You're going to be sore from muscles and things of that nature. But it almost seemed as though the coaches were indicating that he wasn't trying at all. Like he would like he he would just sit out for the most simplest of injuries. Like I don't know. Maybe he broke a fingernail, just didn't feel like playing. Like it's it's one of those things where, you know, I've heard players fight through injuries. I've heard players fight through a concussion, which you shouldn't do, by the way. But you know, that's the type of players that, you know, every team wants. You know, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get bruised. You're going to be you're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. But, you know, are you hurt or are you injured? If you're hurt, you can still His play. His thing, T, was a lot of soft tissue injuries. Correct. Too, and that's a concern for the speed, uh, D-backs, wide receivers, those kind of players that really rely on their, their legs and, you know, those cuts and explosiveness, those explosive moves that they need. Um, but yeah, again, I, I agree with you. He, he, he probably didn't play through injuries that he probably could have. And, and mm. I, I could see that. I understand why. Um, and, and you do make a good point with that. Because that was for not, mm. um, I do want to move on to the fields. If anybody has well, Eagles talk, I got, I got some stuff to go in. We were talking about players getting cut and there's players are going through two different things. You got players getting cut and you got contracts being extended for players. There's um, a few noticeable, uh, notable contract extensions that happened over the week. Mm-hmm. You got Deshaun Watson, four-year, 160 mil extension. It's 39 mil, four-year contract. Uh, he's now one of the NFL's highest-paid players. Um, he's only player in NFL history to throw 25 touchdowns and have five rushing touchdowns in consecutive seasons. Woo! Now, this is a very important contract because not only did you have Patrick Mahomes' contract earlier, oh goodness. but you have his contract, and now that raises the bar even higher for contracts for players like Lamar Jackson now and Dak Prescott, who Dak Prescott, they, they need to get something done soon. So it's going to affect him sooner than I than want Mason Glory, ho. 
All I got to say is, man, yeah, yeah, that 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 contract um for that contract for Deshaun Watson really um I think reset the quarterback um the quarterback cap. Yeah. No and yeah. it it's you did have to pay him, but yeah, with the you had to pay that he put on last night, man. You gotta be scratching your head if you're a Texan fan. Don't get me wrong, he doesn't have much help there. Right. And that's what I was about looks, to get into. Like he was scrambling a lot. He was he just looked uncomfortable. I understand the O line isn't great, but even even times where he had a clean pocket, um, he just you know, look, he looked like he was pressing too much, if if you know what I mean. Like he he was he, he they fell behind and especially in the second half he he was always trying to make stuff happen. It looked like, and maybe force a few balls, but give the chiefs credit. Their cornerbacks played pretty well. And um, well, yeah, he didn't have much help. I mean, Will Fuller, listen, Will Fuller, what eight, eight catches, 112. I think he had uh, through the air. So uh, he's got it. Brandon cooks disappointed last night. He was he banged up coming into the game, but uh, well, yeah. yeah. Tanner, what did you see? I, I guess I'm going to be the guy going against the green in this show because Watson to me, had a, he had a good game. Um, he had, a Deshaun Watson game I feel like maybe not the best Deshaun Watson game but he went 20 for 32 250 uh 253 yards passing with no DeAndre Hopkins right. uh, you mentioned the players that he has out there and he's playing after just extending a contract he's feeling great out there and he's playing against a guy like Pat Mahomes who went 24 for 32, 211 yards. And he had three touchdowns should have been four. Robinson dropped that ball. Um, what is going on back there? I think Watson played really well. And then uh, before we go too off topic, talking about Thursday night football, I'm going to go back to the contracts and Keenan Allen got a four year, 80 mil extension. Uh, Tredavious White, who was one of the players considering uh, opting out this year, got an extension of four years, 70 mil. Uh, he's, Ooh, yeah! he's just 25 years old. This is a guy, he's in his prime right now. And after this contract, he's, he'll still probably be playing. Uh, he could be playing for another team by then. But then you have a player we mentioned with Deshaun Watson not having, DeAndre Hopkins. Two-year, $54.5 million extension. The Cardinals did that. Uh, he's the highest-paid non-quarterback. And this below his past Julio Jones. Reminds uh, me of that Kevin Durant deal a few years back where he signed a two-year, 50-some million-dollar deal with Golden State. It's ridiculous. Um, but, listen, Tanner, I'm just to disagree with you with Watson. I felt like his, a lot of his stuff came in garbage time. I mean, the first half when, it, when, the, when the lights were bright, he, he – didn't perform as well as I thought he should have. And then once the game kind of got out of hand, he, he had that rushing touchdown late in the second half. I mean, that definitely inflated his stats. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely a top 10, maybe 12 QB in a league. I mean, people will argue he's top five. I'm not going to go that high with him. But um, I think that you, you can't put – I mean, like I said, Will Fuller had a good game, but and, and receiving what receiver-wise, like he didn't really have a good tight end. Like – um, what Darren Fells had a few catches and Kenny Stills isn't really that good, but I just thought he could have he could have gotten a little bit more out of Watson last night. But yeah, there, I understand what I'm saying to you. No doubt you can get more out of Watson. This is the first game of his season, and like I mentioned, you can't always be the Kansas City Chiefs coming out and just just I agree. controlling yeah, right. that entire game. Sean Watson, he's now playing uh, without his buddy uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Now he's learned. Who's gonna pass? Can he trust David Johnson, who had a pretty a pretty good performance? Really solid from David first Johnson touchdown. last night. Yeah, and yep. that makes you think: Was uh, Bill O'Brien now feeling confident in his decision, or down the road, or uh, down the road, Small. people are always gonna think how David Johnson was switched out for DeAndre Hopkins? Man, that's ludicrous. Scratcher. Agreed. His- but here's the other thing, though: Did did he really want to pay DeAndre Hopkins? 25 mil a year, 26 mil a year in that contract extension. That's huge, T. I don't really know. I get it. It's a skill player mm-hmm. and one of the better players, at least one of the better wide receivers receivers in the league, arguably the best. 
but I don't know if I'm paying $54 million to a receiver. For, the, for DeAndre Hopkins, who catches one-handed passes, who, be, who can basically beat any cornerback in the league on any given Sunday, listen, yes, I would pay him $25 million a year. You know why? Especially considering the fact that what they got back. You got a damn running back back, man. Are you kidding me? A I running back that. who yeah, does they, they definitely should have gotten more. Who, Especially, here's the thing. I w- I've always been a pretty big fan of David Johnson. I know he had an injury with a wrist. And, and he's been disappointing ever since that injury. Every, yeah, I agree. And last night, he looked like he he looked like his 2016 form. Don't get me wrong. He made a couple nice cuts. Again, small sample size. Only had 11 carries, 77 yards on the ground. But he did catch a couple balls through the air. I think four catches around 30-some yards. So I definitely liked what I saw from David Johnson last oh, night. Damn. They should have gotten maybe a first-round pick back um, when you give up arguably the best receiver in the league. But, again, the main thing about this is even if they had DeAndre Hopkins last night, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. And, again, that goes back to Tanner's point. Yeah, you're playing the Chiefs opening night on the road at yeah. Arrowhead, even though they didn't have a full-packed stadium. But still, and that's another thing we wanted to bring up, I, yeah. I, not to be yeah. political, but, but Tanner, you wanted to bring up the, the boos from the crowd. I know – um, there's been a lot of opinions on social media about that. What? Uh, you know, I, I saw J.J. Watt after the game mentioned how it really affected him that there was booing after what they did pregame and to unite all the players on the field. Uh, but I, I feel like that that's very distracting and uh, it's it's questionable. And I think fans are still, they still, even though it's not really political, as you said, they're still just wanting to watch football and they can't get past all, all this stuff that's that's going on in the world. They just want to watch football, which yeah. is to the players is head scratching because this is their lives. This is this is all of our lives. Yep. But to go on a different route, but still keep it on fans. Now there's still a few teams that are going to have fans this season, and I know a few teams after week two they're going to decide how many. Right, right. Stadiums. Jacksonville, after week I two. think, is one yeah. of the teams, right? So we got the Jaguars, yeah. the Cowboys, and the Chiefs, who you saw last night, the Dolphins, and the Colts. Now, you got the Jaguars, who are allowing 25%, the same amount as the Chiefs, 17,000. That's like it's a an outrage. The Jags. Right. You got, yeah, you got the Dolphins, 13,000, which is for the for the last couple of years, that's a, that's a lot of fans for the Dolphins in the stadium. <laughs> yeah. And you got the it's funny to me too. Fif- at fifteen uh, percent of their seventy thousand. And then I want to go back to I mentioned the Cowboys, and I was reading this article, and Texas law will still allow them to have up to fifty percent fans in that stadium. I am pissed off. And, that's stupid. And Jerry Jones will allow he he wants a pod system where you have at fifteen people in a group in the stadium at. Separated from people, they still want to get money. Obviously, from I don't know what they're going to do about concession stands and everything, but it, it just seems like uh, the Cowboys are going to be pushing this limit. And the Eagles don't play them until Week Nine, which is important to us because if this doesn't work out and there's too many fans and people are getting sick, we don't see the Cowboys until Week Nine. The Cowboys could have their games canceled. You know what? As a wise man once said, I'm not giving Jerry Jones my money. F*** that guy. Look, man, are you kidding me right now? First off, I think it's an unfair advantage to even allow, you know, any fans into the stadium. And some states aren't allowed, aren't allowing these NFL teams to allow fans in the stands, particularly here in Pennsylvania, where we have the Pittsburgh Sailors and the Philadelphia Eagles, where the governor has strictly said that there will not be any large gatherings in these stadiums, period, point blank. There's no questions. Period. So that lends an unfair advantage because, as all of us know, the link is a huge home field advantage because of yep. how rumptious the Eagles fans are. So then we have to go. Then when we go away to another stadium and they're allowed to have fans, what? what that's not right. fair at all. I just want to add a perspective to this. I was supposed to have season tickets, and we got an email. Obviously, that 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 was um, canceled for the meantime. But we got an email a couple of days ago that said if things change, they let season ticket fans know first. Obviously, so it's not out of the realm of possibility for me. I think there should be just no fans all season. But I know there's a few teams that have ruled out fans all season, or a few teams who are going to wait a week and then allow fans. And then the only team that seems to not be affected by this would probably be the New York Jets. 
uh, I would assume, because they're, they're a team that's used to playing with no fans. <laughs> you could definitely make um, that argument. The fans yeah. think the, the fans topic for me, it, it's it, it's we know it's hard. You no, know, I kind of throw my hands up, you know, because it's something we never really seen before. Like a lot of other things we haven't seen since past year and previous years. But I guess for me, it's just a wait and see approach. For example, like last night, I definitely liked um, I didn't need the full the full packed Arrowhead Stadium. That, that's just something I didn't need. And, you know, for all of us, that was the first opportunity for us to see a stadium that wasn't full. And for me, it really wasn't that bad. I, I thought um, for not having a ton of fans, even though they had, what, 15 or 70% there, it actually wasn't bad. I don't think it, it took away from the game at mm-hmm. all, really. I was kind of yeah. engaged the whole way through. Now, not that being said, will it be different when there's not a single fan in the stands at a football game? Probably. So I definitely – I definitely want to see fans in the stands, but I want to be safe about it, like as, as the best we can be. So I like that people were required to wear masks. Concessions were limited last night at the game, and people were definitely social distanced when they showed the overhead shot. You could definitely see everybody was spread out pretty evenly. Right. Yeah, and you know, with that being said, the um, the MVPs of these games with no fans is going to be the camera crew. <laughs> and the crew setting up the game because we've seen it in the NBA how it's it's almost no different. Uh, you have the screen with the fans in the back, but the camera angles are a little different, and it just feels like there's still people there. Yeah, and there yeah. there were there were family members, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a packed it wasn't a packed stadium arena. Yeah, I'm taking the opposite on this one. I think it definitely makes a difference in basketball. It, it just it, for me, it feels like they're playing like an empty high school gymnasium. I don't know. I just feel like they're it's enclosed. I like the idea of having the fans on the screen, but um, statistically, doing going online and looking up research, um, not that I'm a numbers guy, but this, this the ratings have been really down for the NBA playoffs, statistically speaking. So I think. Uh, it's just all about preference, honestly. If, if you can watch it without having the distraction of the fans um, not being there, then you know, good, good for you. Definitely well, don't, respect it. Don't but. forget, basketball is playing at a completely different time. It's true. Um, people yep. are, you know, doing other things. Other sports are going on, so not everyone is. It's not going to be the same attend the the same audience as it would be if basketball was playing at regular times. That's true. I, I do see your point there. But again, even before this football game last night, I mean, people statistically in America, I think basketball is probably number two, maybe. I mean, baseball and basketball, it, it depends on your preference. But uh, basketball definitely overrules hockey. And basketball playoffs, don't forget, this isn't a regular season. This is playoff basketball we're talking about here. Um, so I'm kind of surprised. But I guess it's really all about preference. Like for me, I would – would like to see at least fans in the stands just like everybody else would oh, um, at least definitely. at a slight capacity but basketball for me just I'm not I haven't been a big fan of the NBA playoffs I mean again they're doing all they can and I'm not going to sit here and complain about it like sports are back so that's great but um, not to go not to drag out an argument about it or drag this topic out too long but yeah I just I don't know. I feel like hockey's done a pretty good job watching hockey on TV. You really don't. You really. They, I guess it might be lighting too. Like if you, if I don't know if you guys have watched any of the hockey playoffs, but the lighting is really just solely on the ice. Like if you ever watch a game at Madison Square Garden, for example, or the Barclays Center, I I I noticed this for some reason. The lighting for the crowd is completely dark, like darked out. Like I don't really see the crowd that much. But at the Wells Fargo you. Center, you kind of see the crowd. They're kind of part of the action i don't know that's just that's just another opinion to throw out there an idea to think about i don't know maybe next time you guys see a game um let me know if you guys see the same thing but definitely before um, we um before yeah you want to you want to move it on to the fills here before we move on to the fills um there was um before we completely get off the football topic there was one more thing that i wanted to bring up um that we discussed in our group chat and it was an article that came from jeff mcclain of the uh, philadelphia inquirer and he was basically hinting at the fact that there might be a power struggle um, within the Eagles organization, which is really curious that this is coming up, um, you know, a couple of days before the start of the NFL season. So I kind of want to just a little bit touch on it. Um, basically what the article was saying was, you know, there, there's a little bit of disagreements between 
um, Coach Doug Peterson, um, Howie Roseman, who drafts the players and is basically in charge of the roster, and um, Jeffrey Laurie. So a lot of the issues, you know, we complain about are the lack of the development of players and how we just feel like, you know, certain draft picks don't make sense. They're not panning out. Why are we always going in free agency? You know, and that's one of the big arguments that's really been brought up. You know, look, every coach has a scheme and they want specific players to run that scheme. And it's really the general manager's job to go out there and find those players for that coach. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sensing that there may be a little bit of a fracture going on here, because even if you like, let's look at it, for example. So in the offseason, um, the wide receivers coach was fired um, and the offensive coordinator. Right. However, Doug Peterson went out on and stuck his neck out there and said that they're going to come back. Then a couple of days later, they get fired. Now, Howie didn't want him. It was Howie's decision, right? And see, that's and that was Howie's decision. And that's one of the things where a power struggle might um, might yeah. ensue. Here's my yeah. thing, though. Here's my thing, though. And this Howie Roseman is on my list. I, I got a real close eye on Howie Roseman this season. The reason being is I have complained time and time again about the draft picks. How you know you have to hit on certain draft picks. There's no getting around that. Yep. Listen. The development of players is horrible, and the fact that we can't keep players is horrible. Look, we I brought up the fact that, and the reason why this is surprising to me, that we released Russell Douglas and Sidney Jones was because of the simple fact that they both came from the same doggone draft class. You're releasing two corners yeah. who were supposed to be on the cornerstones, per se, of your defense, but yet and still they've been released out onto the streets because they couldn't develop. Okay, you get that no might... argument to you get no argument for me, man. Joe Douglas maybe played a bigger role in the yeah. draft than we thought about, and now he's in New York. And I don't know, maybe that might be coaching, but as of late, we've as of lately, I'm sorry, but Howie Roseman's draft picks just questioned me, and they're not performing like they're supposed to. So look, yeah. just real, I just had to get that out there real quick. Howie Roseman might be on the, possibly could be on the chopping block mm-hmm. if these draft picks don't start panning out. I agree, hundred percent. You know, I definitely think. Um, Especially like you said, the the second, the high round picks, the Dillers of the right. world, the Russell in the third round, the the Sydney in the second. Those those are big time picks. You got to hit on those. Yep. Uh, real quick, I didn't get your opinion on the fans thing. I don't know how much NBA basketball you've watched, but mm-hmm. does it bother you not having fans? Does it feel does the NBA feel like Tanner feels like it's fine? Like I disagree. But th- what do you think? Do you think does it bother you that much or it it, it not really? It's it's a little weird for me because I know they're in a bubble, so you know it's it's weird seeing you know fans on the screens and whatnot. It, it's different. It's definitely an adjustment, and it is a little weird. But you know, under circumstances, you have to do what you got to do. Um, yeah. I don't really hear a whole I lot of. I don't know if it takes away from from the. I don't the, think so. You know, no? I don't think okay. so because of the simple fact. I think what it does do is like it evens the playing field, which I think makes things a little bit more interesting. Now they mm-hmm. tried to make a home field advantage with these courts by placing the team logo on the courts, <laughs> but you sure. know that that's it's in um producing the stadium sounds and things of that nature, yeah. but it's still not home field advantage technically speaking. So I think Agreed. it just evens the playing field, and I think it makes it a whole lot more interesting. Good point. Yep. I got you. All right. Let's get into the last topic of the day here. I know we've been chomping at the bit to get to these Phillies. Oh, yeah, sure. We have 21 and 19. They're second in the NL East. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to start here. Crap as Vargas. I want to touch on individual players. I want to touch on pitching. I don't see how much time we have left. I don't know. I don't want to run over. Woo. <laughs> what do you got? I don't what, think we got we enough. Got how much time? We got what? Fifteen minutes left? Yeah, something Seven? like that. Okay. Let, let Let me just start with the bullpen. Um, I almost said Howie Roseman because we're talking. <laughs> about I almost said it. Matt Clentak is who I wanted to say. Um, that makes a trade for women and Henry and David Hale, uh, and tries to piece together what was already the worst bullpen in baseball, and still ERA statistics, statistically speaking is still the worst, even with these moves. So I'll throw it to Tanner first. Tanner, this bullpen obviously is the worst in baseball, and it's probably like th- these are the guys we got now. So where do you see this team going? We, we think they're going to make the playoffs, and as of right now, they play the Padres in the first round. So in your opinion, is this thing just another like sixer season where, oh, okay, they get into the playoffs, but then they're, they're booted in the first round? Uh, that's a good question, Max. 
um, this team's bullpen is just atrocious. Uh, <laughs> the, the same problem we had last year, a little improvement. I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a little improvement, but the performance that we saw specifically last night where you're leading a team like the Marlins, and then now all of a sudden the Marlins, they, they beat you in the, uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, it's questionable. This bullpen is questionable to say the least. Um, no, since we're kind of getting into uh, what this team needs to do, uh, you have a you have a team like the Braves who are twenty six and eighteen. They're first. They're ahead of us, and we're we're behind, but we're not too close. And I know we can't really pick up players unless they're um, on assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, Going back, I guess I'm kind of throwing your question right back at you. What does this team need to do to improve? Is it just the bullpen? Do they need to call up other players? Hey, this is I a think, loaded question because they have the Braves who are ahead. And on Wednesday, they beat this same team that we lost to 29-9. to You have Adam Duvall, three home runs in one game with nine RBIs. We got yeah. our ass kicked. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, when I saw that score, uh, I had you know I turned it on and I had to to like double blink, you know, and like wait what, you know. So, uh, listen, we all know the Braves are better than us on paper and on the baseball field. It's it's clear. But yes. when you're in situations like this, all of us always sit here and say, "What do we do?" You know, we got the guys we have. What do we do and how do we beat them? You got to come up with a strategy. And the only thing I can think of, because we've literally thrown the kitchen sink at this bullpen as far as acquiring guys via trade bringing them up from lehigh valley from the satellite campus or whatever they call it so we've done all that already we're kind of we've kind of got we're going we've made our bed so to speak right we, we we know who we got in this bullpen going forward so the only thing i can think of is this one you're gonna have to outscore teams it's simply put you're gonna have to outscore teams this offense is good we got a solid lineup um, I think Jay Bruce, honestly, is low-key hurting us a little bit. I know he's not a big piece to our puzzle, but his bat is missed right now with that quad injury. And Roman Quinn in center field, we're missing him because we saw that botched error by Hazley over the weekend in New York. Um, that cost he us. pisses me off. You know, that cost us. I'm not going to say it cost us a game, but, you know, you got to make make those plays and read the ball, you know, better than that, of course. But um, I think we need to outscore teams if we want to make a run in the postseason. I think Joe Girardi, who hasn't really gotten a lot of flack here in Philadelphia just because everybody was so excited that Capital was gone. I have an issue with the bullpen. Uh, how do I put How do I word this? With his decision-making in the bullpen. What I, that, by that, I mean, you know as a manager, and even us as fans watching, you don't have a guy in that bullpen that's reliable at all. Right, it's almost just luck, right? Oh, Hector Neris, he was able to squeak through an inning last night, ah, but geez. other times he goes out there and goes bunch of low life, gives up two walks, gives up three runs, a home run. You know, you don't know what you're getting with these guys on the on the daily basis. So, here's my thing: I like how he's used the starting pitchers. Right, he started out Aaron Nola, he started out Zach Wheeler, eh, eighty pitches, eh, eighty three pitches and starts, and then he'll take them out of the game. Zach Eflin, same thing, you know, eighty five pitches, you're done after five innings. Now I'm seeing him push these guys now that they've gotten innings under their belt. I'm seeing them go 101 pitches, 104 pitches, 108 pitches, you know, so they're getting up there. Here's my point. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Ole, your big dogs, your horses, you let them go, right? As long as they're not getting shelled, as long as they're not giving up like seven runs and two innings, you got to let them go because you know they're capable of getting out regardless. So even if they've given up three runs and five innings and their pitch count, say, is at 80 – some people with a dominating bullpen say, okay, you're done. Let me bring in four power arms. We don't have any power arms. So I say you push that pitch count to about 110, you know, if they can get there without getting into trouble. Get them as far as you can in the game. You have to because you want to limit that bullpen as best you can. You don't want to be having to bring in four guys a night. You don't want to see JoJo Romero and then David Hale and then Henry and then Nerys. You understand what I'm saying right? to you? What you really want to see is Nola seven, Wheeler seven and two thirds, and then you want to see maybe Naris in the eighth, four oh, in the ninth. Okay. And I'm I'm sorry to say it to you. I know you don't want me to say it, but what are you going to do? What are you going to bring in Adam Morgan? What are you going to bring in Tommy Hunter? Okay. I mean, Tommy Hunter, who's been one of our consistent guys, and every time he comes out there, still, I'm not excited. I know he's going to run into trouble. And look what happens last night. 
gives up all those base runners and then goes and sits on the bench. Workman is supposed to be our savior. And he comes in and gives up the big hit. And just like that, it's 6-6. So that Tanner, is I blasphemous. sum it up because I needed to go on my mini rant there. Um, <laughs> you got to get offense. You got to get the starters deep into the game. And then you got to cross your fingers and hope we can get five outs if need be. But that's the it's only stupid. way we're going to be able to go deep into the postseason. Because if we need to bring in four or five guys a night out of the bullpen, you're you're in for you're in for a long night. And, and I hate you. no lead is safe. No lead is safe. We've nope. seen it. Six three in the eighth inning. Six three in the eighth inning, and we still can't get the job done. I yeah. want winners. And you know, to add that and to, to say something familiar, sign JT. That's that's all I gotta say. And we're <laughs> off this topic. The show's coming to an end. Yep. T us away. Man, look, I, I I'm gonna say this in closing, man. Like I've said this before and I'll say it again. Um, this offense cannot continue to out hit the pitching. Okay. It was one of the main things that See, we we're said. probably going to need it to though. That's the thing. That's the only way that you're going to be able to win though. But that's an issue because that's the, that's the definition of insanity. It's the simple fact that we're repeating ourselves again. Our we leading hitters, D.D. Gregorius with a 273 batting average, right? Our, our best, our best average guy is hitting 273. Who's an everyday guy. Listen, Gosselin's hitting 306. He's only playing against left-handed pitching. But when your top guy is in 273, what do you do? If you're not going to get a base hit, what do you do to get on base? You got to draw the walk. That's the thing. Your all base percentage is key. Reese Hoskins has done a good job of that lately. Um, his average is back up over 260 after that atrocious mm-hmm. start to the year. We don't want to talk about that. Oh, gosh. Because um, that's Tanner's guy. But uh, oh, gosh. listen, My. get on base, draw walks. Get hit by, <laughs> hey, get hit by a pitch. Well, Why not? Max, let, let's talk about your guy. What's going on with Bryce Harper? <laughs> wow shots fired <laughs> listen, Hold on, bryce, bryce hasn't had listen he's in a rough patch don't get me wrong but he did single hand well not single-handedly him and jt single-handedly did carry this team for a few weeks there earlier in the year they did yeah yeah i know if you tilt your screen you can see bryce harper on your wall <laughs> well that's true you piece we'll, of we'll swiss cheese <laughs> All right, but, T. But T, T, that was funny. Again, we'll see what happens. Passionate <laughs> show, as always. <sighs> and uh, guys, remember the at the Philly Experience podcast on yes. Instagram and I. We're going to be doing a little post game reaction to the birds yes. on Monday. Maybe like ten minutes or so. We'll see how long. We'll see how how uh, how, much, how many words we have to say and how passionate we are about the game <laughs> and on the win or loss. So at the Philly Experience podcast on Instagram. Don't forget, guys. We love you. We've gotten a lot of more, a lot more followers recently. So check us out. We're trying to be uh, the fastest to post. We're trying to get the content out there, um, and we always like to hear your reaction as well. So, hey, listen. And if you guys missed the end of this episode, always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms. All right, every week. Check us out. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Listen, that's the go-to. Every week, we're gonna be coming out. All right, with an episode. So stay tuned, y'all. Blading! What's that? You dumbass. Crap-ass Vargas. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing.